It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, good to have you, JT, as we open it up. Great day to be here on Raider Nation Radio. The flagship of the Silver and Black. Thanks for listening on 920 in Vegas, but especially the Raiders mobile app. If you haven't downloaded it, well, you should. You're listening to us, but if you're listening on 920 or anywhere else, just download that Raiders mobile app. It's probably the most efficient app I've ever seen in radio history. I'm dead serious because now everybody's getting kicked off channels and they're getting kicked off in their podcasts, and it's like, stop. You want to listen to the radio? Go to the Raiders mobile app, and there's a picture of a radio, and you're clicking on, and the show comes up in like two seconds. It's phenomenal. Raiders did that for us, man. Really, really steamrolled this this idea of Raider Nation Radio, man. Better than any other radio affiliate I worked on with the Raiders. I can promise you that. <laughs> you know, the old stations I worked on, instead, and the famous story, the the most recent one, don't talk Raiders anymore. Talk the Giants. Get the hell out of here. Talking Raiders. I mean the San Francisco Giants. And we got that mobile app. So hope everyone's doing well. I'm excited today. We got a big show. First, I woke up this morning and found out Argentina lost in the World Cup. Lionel Messi, the greatest player maybe of all time, with Ronaldo and Pele, and a favorite to win lost. And the internet broke, and the world's coming to an end, and it's much bigger than anything that's happened in the United States. Messi loses to Saudi Arabia? And how they lose, lose this game? you got to be kidding me. So the United States tied, remember, 1-1. They tied their game, and everybody was freaking out against Wales. You want, there's always someone freaking out more than you when things go bad. That's a lesson. Uh, that's a lesson in Argentina. A country today, a country, a region of the world, freaking out. And then today I woke up, and I knew it was Eric Allen's birthday. Eric Allen is one of the great NFL legends that I know. I'm proud to call him a friend. It's his birthday today, and he was just named a semifinalist today for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That is great. He's been there in the past. He wasn't a semifinalist last year. And I bring this up because Eric has a career 54 interceptions. Let that sink in for a second. You see guys now in this league, what do they get? Three, two a year, and they go to the Pro Bowl? He had 54 career interceptions. He played with Reggie White. He played in New Orleans, and he played with the Raiders. The last game he ever played, great trivia question, bar trivia, the tuck rule. Played in the tuck rule, and that play would have been the biggest interception of his career. The ball was coming to Eric Allen. They've done documentaries on this. Eric was on the sideline. Charlie Weiss didn't see him. Eric snuck up to the sideline in a snowstorm, heard the play. Eric heard the play on the tuck rule. You know the story, right? Brady comes out, stares down that side of the field. Eric Allen's right there to intercept it, and he would have caught it. And fumble, ball comes out, tuck rule. Rest is history, Eric Allen's last game. He is a semifinalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I want everybody to do me a favor. I don't ask for many favors at all, other than listening to the show. If you could all uh, tweet, 
to Eric Allen right now, I'd be greatly appreciated. And he has a great Twitter handle because he's from San Diego and everybody knows him there. It's Eric Allen 619. That's the area code. At Eric Allen 619. Congratulate him on being a modern day semifinalist and wish him a happy birthday today, Eric Allen. Really thrilled about that as we open up the show. Makes me feel good having a chance to work with that guy every weekend, man. I don't take it for granted. It's been one of the joys of my life. I started my career with the radio working with David Hum, George Atkinson on the pregame show, and a guy by the name of Artie Gigantino. They all broke me in, and George is one of the great defensive backs. How George is in a legendary semifinalist in his career, and now I get to work with Eric Allen. So the bookends of my career on the pre and post, I greatly appreciate that. One more breaking news, Las Vegas got the Final Four in basketball. 2028, way out there in the distance, but we got it. Congratulations to everybody who worked this behind the scenes, and there's too many people to thank here in the opening monologue. But a lot of people worked this behind the scenes. Everybody who worked from major casino corridor properties, my buddies at X's and O's of Success, and Lon Kruger, who's in the Hall of Fame. Congratulations to Lon Kruger, who went into the Hall of Fame this week in the College Basketball Hall of Fame. But all the people in Las Vegas that worked hard to get the Final Four. So it's in 2028. So I bring this up for a few reasons. We got the Super Bowl the year after this one. We get the Super Bowl. We have F1 that might be bigger than the Super Bowl when it's all said and done. And we got the Final Four. And we're going to get the Final Four in football. There's just a matter of time for that. Build it and they will come. You want a legacy play for Mark Davis? Would you like a legacy play? Mark cares about one thing, holding up the Lombardi. That's what he cares about. If Mark Davis and the people behind the scenes, and there's a lot of people to thank for that, don't come to this jewel in the desert and build the Legion Stadium with the 872 laborers. We don't have the Final Four for football, which is a, a lock. We have it for basketball. It's a lock. We have the Pac-12 championship. We have the Las Vegas Bowl. We have everything that we would dream of in life and the Raiders and the Raiders and the Pro Bowl. How's that for a legacy? Modern-day legacy of an owner that has done this. So I just want to get that out there because when I can give Mark Davis credit for things like that as the business side of it, he wants to win games, but really important day-to-day for Vegas. You know, I moved here in 1990. No, no, I won the smack off in 96, uh, 95. I moved here in 96. Started at Sports Fan Radio Network down at Tropicana in a little office park. Steve Cofield, Dave Koken, Pete Rose, Frank Andrews, you know, a whole bunch of guys here. Clay Baker, right? Clay Baker. We all started back there back in the day. And all it was was UNLV basketball. I know there was a football team here too, UNLV, and it was UNLV baseball. But it was always a national town, right? Because we were here during the Sweet 16. And then boxing was really the key. There was no, not even an inkling of UFC. No one even heard of MMA. It was boxing. And that's really what made Vegas Vegas was boxing. And we used to have boxing back in the day every two months. Now these promoters can only give you one fight a year or two of them. We used to have them every two months. And now we have everything here. So for those, no one had the vision of that, by the way. I'm not saying I saw that coming. But a couple of years ago I saw it coming. And now all this is here. Then we have the Vegas Golden Knights, who I'm going to get to here in the monologue. So for everybody who crapped on Vegas, oh, well, JT, it's not as big of a radio market. You've been on in Boston. You've been on in San Francisco. You've been on in Dallas your whole career. No, Vegas. This is where everybody wants to live. This is where everybody wants to visit. This is where everyone wants to go play football games. This is Vegas now. 
And I'm proud to be a tiny, tiny, tiny part of this to talk about the success of Las Vegas and what's happening here. And I didn't know about, I knew about Eric Allen in the semifinal vote, so I was on the edge of my seat with that for EA. And it's his birthday, which is so cool. So cool that it's his birthday and he found out this again. But I didn't know about this vote and the announcement on getting the Final Four for basketball, and that's going to be great. And I think once they host the Final Four, the Final Four committee is going to say, let's just go back every two years. What, what, who, who are we kidding? <laughs> Indianapolis, uh, San Antonio, everybody else, we like you. We'll throw you a bone. We'll give you one a decade. But we're going to do three, in, three a decade in Vegas. We're going to do three Super Bowls every decade in Vegas. And I think that'll be great for our economy here and anybody who wants to come here. So that's the Open brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town. How do you think PT's likes this? With 64 taverns, the whole entire empire at Golden Entertainment now has the opportunity here for all these big events coming to town. And with 64 taverns, owning the Strat, Arizona Charlie's, that's great for business there. All right, what do we want to talk about today? I got Dave Softy Mahler coming on at 1 o'clock. He is a blowtorch. He is the authority on the Seahawks. No better guest we're going to get this week when it comes to energy than Softy at the top of the hour. We will preview this game. Now, the Seahawks are coming off a bye week, which uh, they're coming off a bye week. They played in Germany and lost to Tom Brady, and they got dominated early in that game. But the Seahawks are here, and they're a six-win team, and as of today, they're in the playoffs. I'll take this game any day of the week. You give me Geno Smith in a parking lot, you give Geno Smith anywhere, I'll play that game any day. The Raiders are playing Geno Smith. Now, they had one of the greatest draft classes maybe in the last 10 years in this draft. We'll dive into that coming up here. Their draft was amazing. And look at the Raiders draft pre-Dave Ziegler, which are the guys we all supported here, Mike Mayock, John Gruden. Everybody was involved with that and all the first-round busts that they had. Seattle had like five picks, and they're all starting, and they're playing unbelievable, and two of them might go to the Pro Bowl as rookies. Are you kidding me? That's what Dave Ziegler would want to match next year is the Seahawks draft of this past year. So the Seahawks, the Raiders will go up there. They're coming off a bye week. Maybe they're a little rusty coming off the bye. I don't know, but I like the Raiders in this game. I love the Raiders when the schedule came out in this game. I didn't expect, like everybody, the Seahawks to be this good. Didn't. And that means that maybe the Seahawks can hit a wall and the Raiders could get going. I want to share another story for you today. I was with Q Myers, and we had Jason Horowitz on today, Raiders Roundtable. Uh, that podcast will be released exclusively on the Raiders' websites coming up here in a little bit. And on the way there, I get a call from Fred Bolitnikoff. I talk to my dad every day. I talk to Fred Bolitnikoff almost every day. And I'm driving, and Freddie Bolitnikoff is going through with me how the Raiders can win every game and get to the playoffs. I'm like, whoa, well, what, what's going on here? And then Freddie started breaking down the games. And really the big thing he said was it all starts with Seattle. If you, if you beat Seattle, here's what could happen. And I'm telling you, it sounded like Fred, and he didn't. It was off the top of his head. It sounded like Fred had the schedule in front of him and all the quarterbacks. And he starts telling me, well, the Chargers is an elimination game. If the Chargers don't win in Vegas, they're going to be out. They're going to be eliminated. And they'll lose another game, and the Raiders can catch the Chargers. I said, I agree with you on that. They said, the Rams... Rams are a mess. Rams are a 3-7 team. They're in the same boat as the Raiders. That's a winnable game, and that's a Raider home game in L.A. There'll be more Raider fans than Ram fans there, and that's a winnable game. Okay, then you start looking at the rest of it. Pittsburgh, 
yeah, you got to think you can win that game against Pittsburgh this year, but Pittsburgh will play tough at home. And then we started going down, down, down the list, and oh, we got to the end of the schedule. Oh, Freddie still thought, Freddie still thought they could win. It was New England, San Francisco, and Kansas City. And I was like, whoa, Fred, what are you seeing here? And he broke it down to me. And you know, the, the moral of the story, the takeaway, is that that Hall of Famer and world champion, they all thought back then they could win every game. That's the point. They all thought they could win every game, no matter who they played, that win or win. Ken Stabler, win. We're going to win that game. We're going to win that game. Because they believed in it. And I think the Raiders believe after that win in Denver that something could happen. I'm not going to say magical. I'm not going to say run the table. I can't say run the table because Waller and Renfro aren't available. If Waller and Renfro were available and and we, Nate Hobbs were available and Nate is coming off IR, then I could I could sell a dream that the Raiders can do that, but I can't do it with Waller and Renfro not available. So we got to get those guys available. And when those guys come off IR, if the Raiders beat Seattle, then you look at the Charger game differently. You start looking, and I'm not talking playoffs. Stop me, Bobby. Stop me. I'm just saying beat Seattle and get me back in this studio for Charger week. Because the pressure will be on the Chargers. Because people threw dirt on the Raiders a month ago. No one threw dirt on the Chargers. And the Chargers just lost to Kansas City in just heartbreaking fashion. And the Raiders could really put a dagger in the Chargers either way at Allegiant Stadium. And they did last year, for those who remember. It was one of the greatest games of all time, regular season. So selling a little bit of hope? Yeah, that's on my resume. Selling a little bit of hope? Of course it is. Is it going to be tough to do? Is it impossible? It's kind of close to impossible. you got to win every game almost. There's only one more game maybe you can lose, possibly, to get to nine wins, let alone ten. But the Raiders have a glimmer that they're doing it, and they're doing it right. And that brings me to Josh McDaniels on going up tempo now. I thought they found something in overtime. Just my opinion. doesn't have to be yours. I think they found something in overtime. A play caller in Josh McDaniels, a quarterback in Derek Carr on the same page with good players starting to attack. It's something we weigh, um, honestly, every week. Uh, and we've done it, you know, off and on. We did it against Denver in the first game. We've done it at different times. I think more than anything else, it's kind of um, it's predicated on our, our personnel, what's the matchups like, you know, how does it affect the defense. Um, you know, and two-minute is really different than, like, doing it in the first quarter. You know, I mean, two minute, you have to push the ball down the field basically to try to create a scoring opportunity for yourself because time, you just don't have enough time. Uh, doing it in the first quarter is a little different. So um, how fast, what kind of tempo? I mean, all of those things are, I think, something we should, we should consider, and we have. Um, but, you know, he definitely is comfortable doing it. And, uh, you know, we, we, we try to, I think, our, our depth at all the positions also factors into how much you want to do that because um, if you have if you're only playing you know a single tight end you're only, I mean JJ played almost the entire game other than a handful of snaps with Amir you know three receivers uh, it's just how many plays do you want to do that because our guys kind of get they got a little tired yesterday there's no question the receivers especially got a little winded in the altitude okay so let's break down that comment from him and I talked to the coach tomorrow we move it up a day tomorrow we'll talk on Wednesday so what do we take out of that he said, yeah, we've done it a few times. It works. But the depth, did you hear what he said about the depth of this team? Waller and Renfro. 
not available. How are you going to go up-tempo the whole game like JT the Brick says? And people are cherry-picking my show, cherry-picking my show and taking sound bites that I'm basically telling the coach, up-tempo, all game, first play of the game. No, I'm just saying put Derek in more winnable situations where he can win the line of scrimmage and play faster. That's all I've ever said. I said it when Coach Gruden was here. I asked Rich Passaccia about it when he was the head coach. I like speed. I like speed. And the coach basically said, yeah. They're talking about it all the time, but the depth is an issue. So they got to get the receivers back. I think one of my takeaways is I think that Josh Jacobs is also going to be one of the top receivers on this team coming up now. I think he's going to catch more wheel routes. I think he's going to catch some more dump downs and take it upfield and do it again. He's a beast now. He's like Devontae. Josh Jacobs and Devontae are playing together, and they're really aggressive trying to get to the first down marker. I wish more players on this team were that aggressive in doing that. They got good players who can catch the ball, but I don't see the aggression that I'm seeing with Devontae and Josh Jacobs going, I need seven yards. They got me at four. I'm stopped. I'm going to spin, dive forward, and try to pick up the first down. Waller and Renfro. We need those guys back. We need those guys back, and they, when they come back, fresh, ready to go, got to jump into this system and be as explosive as these other guys who are playing hard. Uh, one more from Coach McDaniels from yesterday, or two more. First off, what Josh Jacobs is doing, he's getting a lot of carries. He's been on the field a lot. What about his durability down the stretch? He's uh, he, very valuable. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's a really, really good player um, in, in every aspect. Um, and the, the, I have said this before, but I, to me, one of the most impressive things about him is he never asks to come out of the game. And I've, I've, I've coached for a while, and, um, you know, that's a tough position to play and never come out, you know, because you're getting hit a lot and you get banged around and guys are falling on you and, you know, all the rest of it. And um, he's got this incredible football endurance um, about him. And uh, he just he, – he runs in there. He takes a bunch of hits. He doesn't even look to the sideline. And uh, it took me – honestly, it took me a few weeks to get used to that. Because, you know, you're, you're normally thinking like, you know, you're going to be subbing backs, you know, quite, quite honestly, pretty regularly. And um, I'm used to that from my recent past where we used a lot of different backs. But this guy just gives you such a high level of confidence in him and never, never appears to be winded or tired. And, uh, and honestly, I think it's better as the game goes on, you know. So um, he's a, we're really fortunate to have this guy. He's a, he's a really good football player. All right, so let's talk about that. When fans say, why isn't he signed long-term with the Raiders? What are you talking about? He didn't have a good year last year to his standards. You have a brand-new regime coming in that wanted to look at him. That's it. That's the answer. That's the answer. Now the new regime, Dave Ziegler has the right and will offer him a contract. We all think that. But the other teams have the ability to do that, too, around the league. So it's going to be up to Josh where the numbers are, where he wants to be. But for everybody's amazed about what this is a completely different year for Josh Jacobs than he had the year before. And he's running harder than ever. And I think he's putting on a show. And hopefully the Raiders give him an offer that they could come to terms on. Everybody's hoping to see that. But I stay out of everybody's money. Stay away from the GM. I stay away from the players. They'll figure it out. I'm worried about Aaron Judge uh, leaving the Yankees and going to San Francisco. I got that to worry about, too. And finally, one more from Coach McDaniels on winning because everybody took, everybody nationally looked at that locker room and said, whoa, what was going on in the Raiders' locker room after that victory? We've talked about this a lot. We've been in a lot of games, and we've been right there in the end in an opportunity to win them. And 
Um, you know, we're throwing it into the end zone the week before in Indianapolis, and you know, we're who knows one of the we 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 come up with one of those, and it's the same feeling we had yesterday. You know, and um, I think it was just really good for our players because um, they've put themselves in positions to have chances, and and so to be able to come through in the clutch, and it was really all three phases. You know, it was it was the special teams, it was the defense making a critical stop. Um, you know, it was the offense maybe having an opportunity in the two-minute to help us tie the game and then eventually score and kick off return, starting the whole thing. So it's all three phases contributed to it, and um, they've earned the right to feel good, you know. And, and uh, it was great for our team, I think, to, to feel that feeling. And uh, now you, you know you can do it. You know you can win one at the end, you know, when it's tight and close and you need some people to step up and really do their job, and I think that's what our team did. All right, so it's a good week here. I think everybody's in better spirits. I know there's a lot of diehard Raider fans who are like, JT, I could care less. They're three and seven. Well, I got to do radio shows uh, past the Super Bowl. Okay, I got to go and do uh, all of this past the Super Bowl. So we're going to, when, when we're positive, when we're positive, we're going to be positive. Okay, we're going to be positive. And we're going to be positive today if we want to. And uh, I, I really wanted to say that today. I wanted to say that today because it's very important that when there are days where we can talk about something good, we're going to talk about something good. I don't care what the other shows do. They want to bring people on, say the season's over, more power to them. From noon to two, when they win, we're going to be up-tempo. We're going to dip the show in reality, talk about what needs to be corrected and all that. But I'm not doing Debbie Downer radio Thanksgiving week with my sons. My son surprised me. Came home last night. Really cool. Thought he was coming home tomorrow. He came home last night. Walked in. Pretty emotional. My son's back uh, from his senior year at Oklahoma. My other little guy's in town. He's a sophomore from ASU. They came home together. We're going to have a nice Thanksgiving. We're celebrating Eric Allen today. Eric Allen's birthday today. And on top of that, we're looking, how do you beat Seattle? What do you, what's the one thing we need to do? We have a short week. No Thursday, Friday. They're shutting us down. We want to know exactly from you what do you have to do to beat Gino. Let's hear from Chris in West Oakland as he starts us off. Hello, Chris. Hey, JT. First off, man, awesome. Your sons came home and surprised you. There's nothing better than when your adult children surprise you. It's, uh, and one day you're going to have grandchildren. It's an even better feeling. So it's just great that he's home. Um, before, let's talk real quick about what they have to do to beat Seattle. I think it's simple. Most games are going to have to go out and outscore them. They held the Broncos to 16 points. Hell, that's a good game for Denver, one of the off, worst offenses in all of football. I think they can beat Seattle, but I like I like the fact here that maybe McDaniels is a little more open to go up-tempo. Excuse me, JT. Carr has always been at his best when they go up-tempo, and I, I'm glad he clarified. I don't mean two-minute two drill, two drill, hurry up all the time. Just go no huddle. Break the uh, break the huddle or get to the line of scrimmage. Play with a little bit of pace. Don't let the defense get all their substitutes in and out. Let Carr have a little more control with the line of scrimmage because he's proven over the years he's pretty good at that. But let's talk about. I love what you said. You dip your show in reality, JT. I, I've always loved that, and that's why. I will not go out and look beyond the Seattle game. The Raiders' season boils down to this at this point, the next game. Can they beat Seattle? Yeah, absolutely, I think they can beat Seattle. I won't even look at San Diego, I mean the Chargers. Do I think they can in two weeks? Yeah, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Because if you want magic to happen, if you want to win those seven out of eight games or get to the magical nine or ten win mark, when you look at it in a total – my my gut tells me in reality this defense is not good enough to win seven or eight straight games. 
But my heart tells me we're good enough to win the game coming up. I'm not worried about the Chiefs and the Chargers down the road. I'm worried about the game ahead of us. Let's beat Seattle. We beat Seattle, then we concentrate on the Chargers. And who knows? You put four or five wins together, maybe then you can start talking about that magical comeback. But I will not look more than one game ahead with this team right now. And right now, it's Seattle's up on deck. It's a winnable game. Let's go take care of business. And since I can't call tomorrow, JT, I wanted to tell everybody out there, happy Thanksgiving, you, Bobby, you know, your, your sons, your wife. I, as far as Thanksgiving, I'm thankful you let me get on the air and rant and pretty much give me carte blanche. But I'm also even more thankful that the 25- or 30-year friendship we've had means a hell of a lot more than on the radio. So have a wonderful day. You're blessed that you still got both your parents left and your family. Everybody out there, enjoy Thanksgiving. Let's get a Raider win this week, and then we'll point towards the charges. Thank you, brother. Talk to you soon. Yeah, better. thank you, Chris. Thanks for everything you do to start off the show. Chris is one of the greatest Raider callers of all time, period, because he goes to the games. He's been to all the Oakland games, and he really understands the pace of this show. The pace of this show, which I it's not perfect every day, but the pace of the show needs to be at his level. When he comes in, he prepares his phone call, he has something to say, he adds to the show, and he brings something to the show. Uh, we really appreciate that from all of our listeners and people who tweet and, and call in and do all that. So for everybody out there, have a great Thanksgiving. We'll be back here tomorrow. Man, I'll have three podcasts today and two radio shows. And I could see that turkey. I could see that. Yeah, we got this show, the Sirius XM. Got the Looney Podcast tonight. I just did Raiders Roundtable, and I'm doing my new NFL hits on Believe Podcasting Network with Eric Davis, former Niner great, because the Niners last night, uh-oh, uh-oh, the Niners look good. Now, the good news on the Niners, if you're not a Niner fan, is that they're one bad Jimmy Garoppolo pass in the playoffs from this all crumbling. But Jimmy G looks good. And I'm happy you brought that up, Bobby, because what bothers me about the Niners is they don't deserve this. And what I mean by this, they don't deserve it because they threw Jimmy Garoppolo out in the trash. They threw him in the back of the lot in Santa Clara in the trash. And then they said, hey, man, we're going to throw him in the trash. Can anybody give us a fifth-round pick for this? And the whole league said, nope, we don't want to pay him. You're on the hook for that money. We don't want him. And guess what? The Niners luckily got Jimmy Garoppolo, who no one else wanted, and Garoppolo is leading him to the playoffs. Here's a boot roll by Garoppolo left. Wide open is George Kittle down the left sideline. Kittle will break a tackle. Take it all the way to the end zone. Touchdown! San Francisco! How did George Kittle score there? George Kittle scored there because Jimmy Garoppolo threw him the ball, not Trey Lance, or not some backup, not a Nick Mullins. They they lucked out, just like the Patriots lucked out when they drafted Brady in the sixth round, not the second, third, fourth, or fifth. Sometimes there's a little luck that comes into play, and the Niners, Niners are loaded, loaded on both sides of the ball, but if they didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo, we wouldn't even be talking about him, and Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the big talked-about stories coming up. Levi Edwards will join us from the Raiders. What a show we got. Marcel Reese is going to join us, the senior vice president, former multiple Pro Bowl fullback. Uh, Jeff Sherman is going to join us from the Westgate. Going to give us a couple of games to look at. And then Dave Softy Mahler looming in about a half hour. The voice of Seattle sports coming up. And believe me, he doesn't love the Raiders. I don't love the Seahawks. This could get good.
Play action to Jacobs. He's got plenty of time. Eyes downfield. Lofts near corner. For Devontae. Hands in the air. Grabs it. Touchdown Raiders. He beat a pair of Broncos to the near corner of the end zone on a beautiful strike from Derek Carr. How about that? That's Jason Horowitz, who was our guest today on Raiders Roundtable. You should get an alert to that. If you follow the Raiders on Twitter and all their social media, you'll get an alert on that. We're brought to you by the Botanist Gym, part of the Remy Martin team, Team Up for Excellence. we got a lot to tell you about with Remy Martin and what's happening around town with all their activations. So keep it here throughout the holidays and drive responsibly. Drive responsibly if you're drinking Remy Martin, Botanist, or any of their fine products, including Quantro. Levi Edwards joins us. You always see him sitting up front. He's at everywhere. Practice, press conferences, the digital reporter for the Raiders. And Levi, let's jump in. How have you enjoyed the week, the victory, as you looked at the game, looked at the film, and saw what the Raiders can build on? Well, there's a lot of great things that I believe that the Raiders did throughout the duration of the week just leading up to the game in practice. I just noticed that they were a lot more loose. Uh, All right, we've got to get Levi on a better phone line, so let's get him on a better phone line, and we'll open up uh, your phone lines to get through here again. I don't have six co-hosts, so let's get everybody rocking and ready to go. 702-365-9200 if you want to get in on the Raiders' victory, hopefully over Seattle. We'll get Levi coming up here on a better phone line here. But he's inside the building. And the building is always up-tempo when I'm in the building. I was in the building today, very up-tempo and exciting because at the level they practice, but they clearly needed a win, and the win could get everything going. So, Levi, you were talking about it. What did you see in the victory that you want to talk about that's exciting going forward? Yeah, we got a problem, Levi, so we got to get you on a landline. We'll try to get him on a better phone line. That is not working as we get going here. Again, 702-365-9200. We'll get Levi up here in a minute. It's radio. It's live radio from time to time. You get on live radio, and the phones don't work, and we make our living off the phones. So we'll get Levi, try to get him up one more time, or we'll move him and get ready for someone else. we got a couple of guests coming up here, too. As we talk to Jason Horowitz, about the victory. I'm going to get into what he said and what he saw going forward. So do we have Levi? Levi's ready to go. Go ahead, Levi. Okay. Uh, uh, so sorry. No problem. Um, fun. I'll just say fun. That is the, the key word, fun, uh, leading up into the game against the Broncos. is I noticed a much looser attitude and feeling in the locker room. A lot more guys brought a lot more energy. And, and that's the thing with being in this certain situation is a lot of teams – Across the league, you know, once you look at your record, you kind of get down and out. You kind of throw away the season. You just try to get through as best as you can. And this team seems like they're doing the opposite. They look like they they look at their record and they recognize we lost a lot of games that we should have won. And uh, our season isn't over yet. We're not going to fold. And so the guys seem a lot more fun, a lot more loose. And, and I believe that that led into the success that they had in the game against the Broncos is the energy that they were able to play with on the road, they're playing for each other, being more exuberant. Those are the things that I noticed just throughout practice in the locker room and on the sidelines against the Broncos. And that really matters, that energy. You know, and, you know, uh, Devontae even said it in his post-game press conference, uh, playmaking is contagious. And so I just believe that there's a big, big infectious attitude of, of gratitude going around the locker room right now. Levi Edwards is our guest. You retweeted Pro Football Focus when it came to the Raiders 
on who performed, and we knew that Devontae had a massive game and Josh and Perryman had the highest grade, but how about Roderick Teamer and Bilal Nichols? This is what this team needs. They need players who are supposed to be good to become pro bowlers or play at the highest level. So give me a couple other guys who really stepped up in a must-win scenario where there's not a lot of depth. Well, there's a lot of guys that I believe stepped up in this game, and you know, mentioning those two guys like Roderick Teamer and Bilal Nichols, those are the guys that, you know, don't get a lot of credit, but they do the most of what they can with their snaps, and they've been good at what they're designed to do. Roger Teamer, he, he's a, he does great on special teams, and Bilal is a great run stopper. And another guy to add into that is the new signing, the new guy, Jerry Tillery, that they just mm-hmm. got from the Chargers. He came in, he was eating blocks, eating double teams, doing what he was supposed to do with a limited amount that he knows about the playbook. And honestly, if you look at all three sacks, that the Raiders had against the Broncos, it was because Jerry Tillery was giving in that inside push along with Bilal. And so I really, and along with Neil Farrell Jr., I'm going to add him to that as well, the young rookie, those guys in the interior, they had a really good day when you look back on the film. And that is what, and that's how Max was able to, you know, have such a great day. And Tyler Hall was able to get his first career sack. And Chandler Jones, he had a great day as well. If you look back at the film, he was able to get to Russell Wilson a couple of times. And he was just kind of, you know, like a millisecond late on a couple of plays, but still affected quarterback play. So you look at things like that, and, and they go unnoticed, and it might not be the most sexiest thing to watch. It might not be Devontae Adams, you know, winning the game. But those are, those are the things that impact the results of what happens. Uh, We move on with Levi Edwards. Levi, I think it's really important, too, as I'm looking at your grades and the way you just evaluated the game, your top takeaways. Tell us about cornerback Tyler Hall, for those who don't know a lot about him and how he took advantage of his great opportunity. Well, I'm going to be honest with you, JT. He wasn't a guy that I knew a lot about either. Mm -hmm. You know, before uh, he got elevated to the uh, active roster, he's a guy that the Raiders were able to pick up, and he kind of went unnoticed because it was – he got signed in that deal uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I believe, around the time that uh, I, w- I want to say Sydney, not Sydney Jones, mm-hmm. but uh, we made another transaction. We signed him at the same time, and uh, the coaches have just come out and said that this is a guy that you know he's fast, he's physical, he could tackle, and he proved that he could play during practice. And we're kind of you know it's very obvious that they're a little slim at the cornerback position right now, so. He went out and he uh, earned his opportunity to play, uh, second-year player out of Wyoming, and he came out and he, he did what he could do with his snaps. And, and when you look at this team, this Raiders team overall, whether it's Tyler Hall or Alex Bars or, or whoever, they have earned their playing time through practice, and that has been the big thing that this new regime has emphasized, where we don't care who big you are, we don't care who you, you know, uh, we don't care where you were drafted, you got to come in and you've got a ball and you got to you know, earn your reps in practice, and kudos to Tyler Hall for doing that. Levi Edwards is our guest. So let's look ahead as we have you here for Seattle and Geno Smith. And they had a really good draft class. They got players on the offensive line who are legit, going to be there for a while. They can run it. Uh, they got some young corners who are playing well. I look at this game, and I think it's going to come down to the pressure of Geno. Geno, for most of his career, hasn't even been a productive backup. He wasn't even a good backup quarterback. Whenever he got his backup chances, he didn't do well, and he just got kicked around the league. Now, all of a sudden, he's a comeback player of the year. He was an MVP candidate in Vegas with all the odds there, and he's coming off the bye week. 
So I don't think the Raiders can win this game unless they cause chaos with Geno and force him, and they should get that out of Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. You mentioned Tillery, but does this sound like a Chandler Jones game to get after another tall quarterback, put his arms up, kind of get around the corner and get a couple of sacks here? What do you expect? Most definitely. And it's not going to be easy because of what you just said uh, is the fact that the Seahawks actually have a pretty formidable offensive line. They got a couple of guys, especially the guys that they just drafted, uh, Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. Those guys, they're really tearing it up in their rookie year. They look really good, and they're protecting the quarterback. As for Geno, um, I mean, obviously Geno has not had the most productive career up to this point. However, I will say that uh, Geno has been put in some really bad situations, mm-hmm. you know, getting – drafted by the Jets and, you know, going through a couple of teams that, you know, couldn't really build around him. And, and I believe that uh, Mr. Mister Carroll wouldn't have made the decision to move on from, from Russell if he didn't have that that faith in Geno to do what he's doing now. So it's definitely going to be a tough task at hand with the offensive line as well as the fact that Geno, even though he's more of a pocket passer, he is mobile, so you've got to make sure that you – don't give him too much time in the pocket because he'll run and he'll make plays with his legs as well. Uh, so it's definitely going to come to that interior push, like you said, and also it's going to be a big day for Max and Chandler to really, you know, not be a second too late, not be a millisecond too late. They got to be yeah. there. They got to wreak havoc uh, if they want to be able to beat the Seattle Seahawks. And this is a very talented Seattle Seahawks team that's well coached. A lot of people did not expect for them to have the record that they have now. But, hell, a lot of people didn't expect for us to have the records that we have now. You just got to go out. Games aren't played on paper, and you got to work hard and and do what you can, especially in a hostile environment like what Seattle will be. Hey, both my sons came home from college, and they said, Dad, what was up with Levi? He was giving away a pair of uh, Air Jordan 1s. What was that all about out there? How'd you get your hands on a pair of Air Jordan 1s for the Raider Nation, and what was that giveaway all about? Yeah, so uh, one of my – Good friends, uh, Obi. He uh, is a owner of Hidden Soul, which is a sneakers, you know, sneaker reseller store. And so, I basically was trying to hit him up for uh, a pair of Jordan ones, and we had met at SneakerCon when it was in Las Vegas. And so, uh, just kind of went through the process of, you know, he's expanding out in Vegas. He's got a store out here in Vegas. Mm. He was like, you know, how about this? How about you come in, and we'd love to have you do a raffle. Uh, raffle off a pair for you know for Raider Nation and you know we did it and it was a real good time and I have respect for him and respect for for that store and and, and I wanted a pair too I, I had to make sure I got me a pair as well so it's one of those things where it's just a win win for everyone I'm glad that a lucky you know member of the Silver and Black Raider Nation was able to get a pair of those shoes uh, you nice. know you know I love shoes I love sneakers everybody knows that, you know that's not saying it's a personality trait of mine, but it's just uh, I think sneakers kind of show who you are as a person, just mm. with your style. So it's definitely something that I'm, I'm huge into. You're a good man. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for everything you do for the show. I'll see you in the building tomorrow. Thank you so much, JT. I'll see you tomorrow. You got it. Levi Edwards, follow him. He's got a lot of access to the Raiders, man. We put on people on the show that have access to the Raiders. He's got a lot. He's in the building. He's the digital reporter. And he's a good follow because he's upbeat, too. He's a guy that loves to talk about what the Raiders can do right at Levi Edwards 1. Appreciate him coming on here. Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. There's two NFL games. I got one of the sharpest guys in all of Vegas coming up. There's two NFL games you need to listen to me about. 
where the point spread is moving and it doesn't make sense to me. If you bet on football, come on back. We're brought to you by Grimaldi's, the best pizza I've ever had. We called a pass, and uh, you, you got to keep the clock running one way or the other. But if something happened in the pocket or anything like that, um, that's one of those situations you could take a sack uh, or you could just run the ball. But uh, we, we didn't want, obviously, we want the clock running in that situation. That is Nathaniel Hackett, and he took a shot at Russell Wilson. He did. Russell Wilson tried to throw the ball, threw it out of bounds. The Raiders got 40 more seconds back, ended up winning the game. Jeff Sherman, kind enough to join us from the Westgate Superbook. And if you're in Vegas, you're listening to us anywhere around this country, you go to the Westgate and see the sharpest and best book. It's fantastic. You'll love it for all major sporting events. Uh, Jeff, good to talk to you. Let's jump in. There's a couple of lines that really are unique and interesting to me. Kansas City minus 14.5 against the Rams here. I think that's where you have it at the Westgate. What's going on here? Uh, we're not expecting to see uh, Stafford again this week since he left the game against the Saints. And uh, Rams were really beat up. And, you know, the Chiefs already are such a public team that all of us had this starting on the other side of 14. And with no Stafford and the injuries that the Rams have, you're not going to see too much Rams support this week. So Rams support, there. could this go potentially with your experience past 15 and upwards here, depending on how many people pound Kansas City with that number? Well, yeah, in that range from 14.5 up to 16.5, you can see some movement there. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's not going to hit 17 unless you had uh, a compounding injuries on top of that. But um, I think right in that range, 14.5 to 16.5, it will stay right there. I believe you have the Jets minus 4.5 against Chicago at home. And this is going to be really interesting to me as you're monitoring Robert Sala and Zach Wilson in the locker room t- intensity there, the fact that he's not playing well. And you just don't know how many yards Justin Fields is going to run for in the red zone or break a 50, 60-yard run. How difficult is it to handicap this one? Well, a lot on this game has to do with Justin Fields' status because from what we're hearing, there's a likelihood that he won't play. So you saw this line creep up a bit. We had opened the Jets minus four. It got as high as six, but it's back down to four and a half. And it's it's really predicated on Fields. So, mm-hmm. you know, we know what the Jets to expect with their current situation but the field situation is really going to have a lot to do with this line. Jeff Sherman joins us. Another big number, Miami minus 13 over Houston. Tell us a little bit about the Dolphins this year and what you've seen with their explosive play and especially their defense closing out games. Yeah, well, we get a lot of support for the Dolphins. I mean, they're an exciting team, and with the weapons that they added this year, the public really gets behind them. And we even took some sharp money on this game. Uh, Dolphins minus 10.5 and and 11, and it quickly drove it up to 13. So when the Sharps are playing that side – we want to be aggressive on it, too, because you expect the public to be there, too. Jeff Sherman joins us from the Westgate. I want to spend some time with you on the Bills. That was my preseason Super Bowl pick. There's been a little bit of sloppy play around there, leaving Buffalo to go to Detroit, then going back and coming back for Thanksgiving. When you look at their season win total and odds to win the Super Bowl, what's changed recently with Buffalo? Well, we're sitting at 7-2 to on Buffalo for the Super Bowl just because of the liability that we've incurred, and the public still bets them, and you know, the Bills are still the number one power-rated team, even if they had lost this past week to Cleveland. They're still number one power-rated. You know, Josh Allen is still dealing with his elbow issue, and he doesn't look 100%, but even an 80 to 90% Josh Allen is better than most quarterbacks in the NFL. So, uh, you know, it's slid a little bit on their power ratings, but 
At the top, they're tied with Kansas City as 7-2 favorites for the Super Bowl, laying 9.5 in Detroit this week. Second game in Detroit within a week, but this time against the Lions. And the public will be supporting the Bills in this one. How about the Philadelphia liability here? What's going on with Jalen Hurts? That game was very interesting to me, that rushing touchdown late and the way Philadelphia looks going forward. A lot of Eagle fans, I know, pounded that number early in the season. Where do they say with Super Bowl odds in the NFC? Yeah, the Eagles are sitting at 6-1, to one, and you know we're, we're getting the 49ers catching up to them rather rapidly. And we have here the 49ers rated ahead of the Eagles at this point. Uh, you know, we were actually just throwing this idea. If the 49ers today were to play at Philadelphia in the playoffs, we would price that about pick them, maybe even San Francisco a small favorite. So right now in the NFC, the 49ers, even though they're a few games behind Philadelphia, have a higher power rating than the Eagles. But the Eagles are sitting at 6-1, to one, and we currently have the 49ers at 8-1. to one. How about the Cowboys playing on Thanksgiving and the ability to bounce back from blowing a 14-point lead the way they did in Green Bay? trounce Minnesota, so I'll get the Cowboys in Minnesota and with this question, both those teams in the NFC and where the sharp money's coming in on both those clubs. Yeah, we've seen uh, quite a bit on Dallas, and that line has been driven up to nine against the Giants. And mm. Interestingly enough, we've taken some large wagers on this game. On the money line, we took to win 50000 on the Cowboys' money line, and in another jurisdiction, we took 50000 on the Giants' money line. So a lot of interest on the outright of this game. And uh, the Vikings, they have a very low power rating right now. We opened the Vikings three against the Patriots Thursday night. It's down to Minnesota two and a half. The Sharps took the Patriots. And even in the look-ahead line to next week, mm-hmm. we just opened up Minnesota at home against the Jets uh, as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. It settled at three, but you can see uh, the Vikings, are their power rating is not nearly as close as what their record indicates. You said you got a $50,000 bet on the Giants on the money line? We did from our New, New Jersey jurisdiction. We took that today. <laughs> oh, that's some good knowledge here from Jeff Sherman. Give him a follow at Golf Odds. And, and let's wrap it up with the World Cup and the handle for you. And we both love golf and understand the power of the World Cup. With Messi's loss in the United States with that 1-1 tie and going into the England game, tell me something fun about the World Cup and maybe a big bet or what the fans are thinking about, not only in Vegas but nationally. Well, the interesting thing today was Argentina's loss to Saudi Arabia, yeah. and we were as high as almost 30 to 1 at plus 29.50 on Saudi Arabia outright, and we closed plus 2,500. And from my knowledge, uh, that's the largest upset that we've ever seen in a World Cup match. That's uh, shocking, especially since Argentina was up 1 0 at halftime. You know, we put up second half lines on each game, and Argentina was laying a goal and a half for the second half and lost it 2 to nothing. So. Uh, shocking in itself as Argentina is one of the favorites coming into the tournament. But uh, now they're in a tough predicament. Now uh, you know, they already went under their uh, group stage point total, which was six and a half. So mm. after one game, if you had the under, you can cash out right away. That's incredible. You can cash out against Messi. Hey, lastly, just from friend to friend, you hearing anything on Aaron Judge? You know I'm a big Yankee fan. Are these San Francisco rumors legitimate, or should I be comfortable he's coming back to the Bronx? Well, we've got a big Yankee fan here, uh, Randy Blum, that uh, does our baseball odds here. He doesn't think there's too much to the Giants. He's expecting him to return to New York. Thanks, Jeff. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for everything you do for us. All right, you too. Thanks, JT. All right, Jeff Sherman over at the Superbook at the Westgate. Sharpest sportsbook in the world. Happens to be in Las Vegas. Everybody around the country would like to be that sharp. There's some great sports books, And we have some partners here on the show that are great. But when it comes to the Westgate... 
Fantastic. That's where you'll find me for the Masters Final Four. If I'm in town, just the energy of that room over at the Westgate is amazing. That was a fast hour. So here's what we got. Dave Softy Mahler, he's going to join us next. He's a hurricane and a tornado combined on the Seahawks. This will give you your Seahawk coverage for the rest of the week. And Marcel Reese, as the Raiders are doing so much in the community for Thanksgiving.